Welcome to another episode of The Rhythm of Rebellion. I'm your host, Taina Sealy, and today we delve into the world of a true musical legend. DJ Johnny Juice is an award-winning composer, producer, turntablist, engineer, musician, b-boy, graffiti writer, MC, educator, lecturer, percussionist, and mentor. Raised in the Bronx, he was on the front lines when hip-hop emerged right on his doorstep. His work, especially with Public Enemy, is woven into the very fabric of hip-hop history. DJ Johnny Juice's production and scratching skills have graced projects by legendary artists like the Beastie Boys, Slick Rick, Leaders of the New School, and DMC. In 2008, he was inducted into the Long Island Music Hall of Fame as a member of Public Enemy, and he took the stage with them in 2013 as they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hey, Johnny, welcome to the Rhythm of Rebellion. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. I am very excited to have you on the show today. I wanted to see if you could share some of your insights into how you witnessed the birth of hip hop and how those early experiences contributed to your life, as well as the culture of music and social change in your community. Well, um, I was fortunate to have been raised in the Bronx in the 70s, right as the Fania Salsa movement started catching uh, strength and, and speed. And coincidentally, hip hop was kind of almost formed in a parallel uh, path. It's no coincidence that both of them occurred in New York City, specifically the Bronx area, primarily because of uh, New York being such a melting pot. I watched a whole bunch of artistic expression congeal and form the basis and the, and the foundation of what would be hip hop. I saw the Boogaloo movement where there was um, Latin music, but with English lyrics. I experienced the James Brown phenomenon with the breaks. Not surprisingly, a lot of those breaks like Give It Up, Turn It Loose. The break was essentially James Brown freestyling over a conga bed hmm. so if you're saying well there's no latino influence i'm like well then why is it clap your hands right so that rhythm was essential and i just did there wasn't any what is that you're doing what do we call this and yeah. i got to see this firsthand so i didn't know anything else but that mm-hmm how would you say those early experiences influenced social change in your community? Well, the hip hop movement that came out of the Bronx was a direct result of benign neglect, which was a social political experiment uh, that was actually uh, sanctioned by the U.S. president at the time, basically denying uh, social and necessary services to, to the citizens of New York City, especially mm-hmm. the Bronx. So police, fire, garbage disposal, all of that. Uh, garbage was piling up. We have these poles in New York where you could press a red one for fire and a blue one for the police. And they wouldn't answer those. And uh, there was a lot of um, tenement owners that were burning down their buildings for insurance money. There was a movement to get us all out of the Bronx. So mm. hip-hop was literally a response to that. Mm. And there was a couple of events that actually 
gave that movement some kind of uh, traction nationwide. One was the blackout of 1977. When that happened, people started looting. There was a lot of news coverage, obviously. Also, the Yankees went to the World Series in 77 and 78. Hmm. And when the blimp, you know, they had this the Goodyear blimp flying around. The Goodyear right. blimp would fly around, and this is televised nationwide. Mm -hmm. And you can see fires all around the Bronx. It's like, what is going on in the Bronx right now? Mm. One of the number one teams, the number one team of all time, New York Yankees, they're playing in the World Series, and they are surrounded by fires. Mm. It looks surreal. And I'm sure a lot of people were like, hey, you know, what's what's going on over there? Right. So these things, you know, nothing happens in a vacuum, as they say. So your work with Public Enemy has become, you know, iconic in the world of hip hop. Can you take us behind the scenes and share some moments where you really saw the impact that music had as a vehicle for change? I started life as a youth playing on my grandfather's bongos and yeah. his and his congas. That's how I started. When I transitioned to being a DJ, I started scratching like I was playing my congas on my bongos. Mm. So instead of the jiggy jiggy jiggy, I would so my scratches were basically an emulation of my percussive style. Wow. And um, when I met Public Enemy, I moved to Long Island eventually, you know. And uh, we heard this other crew that was pretty well known on Long Island were having a contest, looking for people. So we went. And um, I battled and I won the DJ competition. Mm. And that group that had the contest became Public Enemy. Mm. Now, I remember it very well because we were the only kids, you know, maybe 16 and there was a line around the block. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go out for, to go for us. But I I bought in a certain B-boy aesthetic, you know. So I was online, and one guy came up to me, and he looks at me, and he goes, well, who are you supposed to be? I'm like, I don't know. Who are you supposed to be? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So he looked at me, and he looked at the guy that was behind him, and he goes, I like this guy. <laughs> right? I ended up winning, and that guy was Hank Shockley, the guy that started the bomb squad. Hmm. And the guy he was talking to was MC Chuck E.D., the guy that became Chuck D. Mm. So my attitude, you know, which is a very hip-hop attitude, you know, let's do this and, you know, I'm ready to burn everybody, let's go, kind of helped push me over the edge there. And that started my kind of career and, you know, in, in the making records portion of my of my journey. But it also... It also lit a fire under me because Chuck D realized, yo, this guy's serious. Because there was a lot of people on that line. And there was other people that were picked. I was the only DJ, but there was other MCs that were picked. And he was very particular about who was serious and who he would mentor. And it ended up being me. Hmm. So hmm. I think that um, not only should you be creative or, you know, do what you do, but... You have to have a, you should have, you shouldn't have to do anything, but you you should have some kind of really burning inside desire to really get real good at your craft. Right. And develop it. Because some people just do, but sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes you got to really work hard at it if you really want to be somewhere. Hmm. 
I love the way that you describe your craft as a DJ connected to your playing as a percussionist, as a nation that survived enslavement, survived colonization. You know, percussion was also a tool of resistance. It was reclaiming our humanity in the face of humanity, reclaiming our culture. It's interesting to me because the way that you describe that now, the work that you did and do as a DJ it almost feels like an extension of that. Does that resonate with you at all? Oh, absolutely. Dancing was my first artistic expression. Mm. Probably the most purest form of expression is dance. Because you don't have to think of a word to say something, or you don't have to write anything down, or you don't have to grab a piece of vinyl and scratch it. It just happens with your body. Eventually, when I started playing congas, again, it's an extension of my feeling. It's just but where I hit and then extended to the turntables, extension of my arms, except it's now, instead of a round disc that I hit, it's a round disc that I manipulate. Mm. So all of this is all part of a, phys- a physically rhythmic routine that my body has already conditioned itself mm-hmm. to actually create or, or to interpret how I feel. Mm. And I think that's missing now because... When people sit down to create, they're not really creating, they're manufacturing. Mm, tell it. So so they'll sit there and say, uh, I need to write this song for this certain demographic that does this. And it's kind of like making dog food. I got to make dog food for large <laughs> canines that actually taste good for them. So no one ever says they create dog food. They say they manufacture it. Mm-hmm. What I do is I express and then later I find out where that can fit. Yeah. But it has to have a feeling first. Listen to the full episode of this podcast at therhythmofrebellion.com. Thanks for listening.